Hello, Terry, are you out there? Uh, greetings from the West Coast of the world. Hey, okay, well, coming to you from the East Coast anyway. Um, I don't know if you guys get winter out there in California, but we have winter coming uh, this weekend on the East Coast. Yeah, we call it spring out here. <clears throat> okay, rub it in, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> moving right along, Happy New Year. <laughs> That's quite okay. Well, Happy New Year. Yes, we are here in 2019, and I am busy. I don't know about you. I have tons of projects. Well, you know, I'm, I'm doing like that. I'm a juggling circus right now. Okay. Uh, 16 different projects all at the same time and trying to make sense out of it. So, uh, you know, uh, I'll get something done. Okay. This is, the year. this is the year. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, I'm excited to see a lot of activity popping up on our Choctaw Chickasaw Freedman Descendants group on Facebook. And uh, I'm also, because it's 2019, so excited because we've got Maggie coming up, the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute. And this year, as you well know, since you're a member of the faculty, we're going to have a track. On the five civilized tribes, the Freedman track. I am excited about that. You know, I don't get excited, but I guess I am a little bit right now. Uh -huh. um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know, getting back into the game of uh, present, making presentations and educating people and talking about a subject that is near and dear to me. Yes, well, it is dear to both of us. And, um, well, I have a couple of little writing projects going on, uh, working on a memoir project. I have a publisher lined up uh, coming out of uh, uh, Texas uh, with um, one of the publishers of, of uh, well, some of the books you may be familiar with, and I'll have more about that on another time. But I have, well, I've heard a rumor that you have a writing project. What's up, Terry? I have several writing projects, but the one that I'm trying to focus in on now is the one that I'm working titled Vignettes of Indian Territory. And basically, I want to um, put together something I a few years ago by uh, getting uh, individuals uh, ancestor and giving them a bio on them and hopefully with a picture of that uh, individual because I've always felt that when you show an image a photo of an individual on that dog's cart you give them you, you bring more meat on the bone you give them uh, essence other than a name on a piece of paper and who better to talk about that individual but someone who's descended from them and has a little knowledge of their history so working together with them and working together with a few of uh, other partners in crime, I've, I've developed that uh, writing project for the vignettes. And I think uh, putting it together, uh, maybe 10 to 15 different individuals on the outset would bring some more insight into the history of uh, Indian Territory Freedmen and, and Mainly, um, my focus is uh, Choctaw and Chickasaw, so I need help with the Creeks, Seminoles, and um, what's the other tribe? <laughs> Creeks, Seminoles, and Cherokee, Choctaw. Choctaw. Cherokee. I don't know why I keep forgetting about How the can Cherokees. you forget Cherokee? I'm so <laughs> sorry. How can I forget you? <laughs> well, but in a nutshell, you know, that, that's kind of where I am. 
is coming along. Uh, I have to reach out to people and try to get some uh, permissions to use those pictures again and permission to use their writing again and tweak it, edit it, and get somebody to edit it. It's it's a a worthy project that we get to talk seem to disappear from history's uh, pages um, with the vast amount of documentation on this history for there not to be something on the individuals. Some individuals who should be well known, James Cootie Johnson, who is uh, a lawyer, a businessman with the Black Panther Oil Company. Why isn't this man's name known to more people? Yeah. Charles Coheed a leader in the Choctaw and Chickasaw Freedman community. His name needs to be known. His story needs to be told. Um, Your great-grandmother, Sally Walton, you know, there's a story behind her because that's what led you to this type of research. These are the names, the people, and faces we need to know and the country needs to know. Oh, well, that's so well put. Well, Terry, what is the, the, the end product? Is this a website? Is this going to be... A, a hard copy book. What What's the goal? Your goal is to produce what? I would love a hard copy, but I think initially I want to produce an ebook for this, and because it's not going to be 400 pages right off the bat, and so an ebook would be uh, something easier to get into, and I want to get it out as fast as I can. A lot of the work has already been done. It's now I got to go back in and clean it up, add a little bit there out, and so. But initially, with an ebook, I hope to evolve that into a hard copy book because I know as it comes out, yes. other people will make contributions to it. Well, it so, sounds like it could be a volume one, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm not opposed to an improved tide. Hmm. Well, what are you asking for? Uh, it's not a call for papers, or is it a call for papers? What if people sense. want in to participate? It's really nothing um, insurmountable. Um, basically, it's like a biography of 500 words or less. Less is operative here, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, image of an ancestor in a JPEG format. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I want it in a California font. 12-point type uh, would be nice, but I think with the 11-point, it'll fit in a one-page document because that's essentially what I want. Okay. I just want one page, uh, 500 words or less, but so it'll fit in a PDF form on a tablet, computer, or phone. Wow. Okay. That's I need that written permission to use that photo and bio, and I need it submitted no later than the uh, February the 15th. That way it gives me time to put all this together and get somebody to do some editing and try to get it in a form that I can put it on an e-book and get it out there. That's exciting to hear. Wow. Um, well, and you it's... Know, it, it gets me excited because, you know, you know, how, you know how it is. It's like pulling teeth to get me to do some writing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm even more excited then because of that uh, to hear that you are going to be putting this together because we need more books coming from the people who descend from the population that we study every day. And, um, you know, if we don't tell our own stories, someone else is going to tell it, they're going to get it wrong, and then we're going to get mad. Well, they have gotten it wrong. 
Well. <laughs> okay. Every day I come across something wrong. Yes. Well, <laughs> come know, on now. And, and I, I think that's it too. That you know, as long as you and I have been out here uh, researching, talking, writing, presenting, we we still come across people who want to have fake tribes, want to dress up in feathers, and 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 all this paraphernalia. And when you're talking about the five slaveholding tribes, that history does not chill with what we know. With what we know, and also we have the we have the receipts, as the young folks say. We have the documentation. We have the exactly. records. You were there 19 years ago with me at Dartmouth in Hanover, New Hampshire, at the world famous. Oh well, I won't go so far, but I will say the infamous conference at Dartmouth. What was it eating? I can't get that image out of my head. Oh my God! <laughs> eating from the same pot. The man with the long headdress. The letter. The lady who was talking about the little people. The the woman who came in with the other guy. The self-proclaimed chief. Oh my God! And she was there in buckskin and feathers. A couple of animals died for her outfit. And you were there. You saw that. And all of those people had no documentation of who they are. And no documentation. And really, if anybody had documentation. Say that again. I think our system broke up a little bit. Say that sentence again, Terry. No, I'd say that of all the people there that had documentation, it was only you and me. I know. I know. And, uh, well, especially coming from our part of the country. I mean, uh, I appreciated that even attempted to put something like that together but I think it, the overall picture was not uh, conducive we know what we teach and what we learn and try to uh, um, pass on to other people and so what our history says we would have never shown up in Buskin right. our history says we never would have worn all that silvery jewelry okay? right, yeah. because our people were enslaved and, and, and that, even that story is a lot more complex than just being It enslaved. is complex because many of us were children of the slaveholders, many of our exactly. ancestors, exactly. you know, so that is quite true. Well, but well, it's we're talking about this recently that, you know, if you look at some of the records, uh, I can easily point to the 1860 uh, Arkansas slave schedule and pretty much t show you that 25% freedmen uh, population in Chickasaw Nation was they had been the census mulatto. Yeah, you mean of the of the people who were enslaved in 1860? That is correct. Exactly. That exactly. is correct. Very very and correct. When, when you think about it, it wasn't like they coming to us today asking us to fill out a form and describing ourselves. It was someone going out to them and describing them what they saw right. or what they were told. And so, if you have 25 percent of your population claiming or being uh, recognized as mulatto, what's that behind that story? Yeah, that's a very good point. And of course, you've got to remember these people, many of whom were biracial, many who were not, but yeah. many, they were all bicultural. They all lived within not just the, the geographic uh, boundaries of the nation into which they were born, but culturally, that is who they were. Um, and, you know, you look at someone like Caesar Bruner, or um, what's the gentleman's name? I can't think of it right now, but uh, who was an interpreter with the Indian Home Guards. You look at other people like Watson Brown from the Choctaw Nation, who was an interpreter for other people being interviewed. And you see his name popping up in allotment interviews and other, other uh, well, 
situations that were occurring during the Dawes process. And these are incredible cases. My goal is at least to, to teach and to educate, of course, but also to encourage people, you know what, your family is part of this greater narrative. Tell that story and join that effort to preserve that history. It's a very rich history. And you know, as well as I, the story of the, what would you call the movement that took place in the 1880s and 90s when the Choctaw and Chickasaw Freedmen Association, when some went to Congress, they wrote that eloquent memorial and sent that to Washington. And you know, the proceedings that I have found, the proceedings from the meeting in 1898 at Dawes Academy, uh, wow, there, there's so much there. These were activists. And well, and I think, I think the nature of their relationship status within the tribe really dictated that they did all of that because it was adversarial for the most part. They were attempting to become fully recognized citizens within the nation of their birth, and they were rejected all along, especially in the uh, situation with the Chickasaw Freedmen. And their leaders in their community were savvy enough to get to a lawyer or somebody and have a memorial to Congress generate. Yes. And, and, what, and when they did that, they preserved that history for us. That's true. See, and that's the beauty of it, that in their actions, they left a trail that we may not have ever seen because, again, the majority of them didn't read or write. Yes, but still, they were still so eloquent to leave such incredible footprints. And they, from Congress, you know, from the congressional record going back in time to the Civil War, it's incredible to see the footprints that, that, that were left. And uh, so... I think for me, and it really came home for me when I started getting into the congressional record that you know, when most people look around trying to find their ancestors, you know, and, and I don't judge them for it and say that it's wrong, but oh, no. they're looking for their grandmother and, and how they're tied to the nation. But when I started reading the congressional record, I started to hear the voices of the people in that community yes. and what their concerns were. And that resonated more with me because in that story, I have been able to find my family's story and my family's ex in the Chickasaw Choctaw Nation. And it just opens up wider um, possibilities for me as far as writing projects, as far as research projects, uh, just learning the entire story. Because a lot of people might want to associate me with just uh, Betty Ligon and her uh, uh, case for uh, citizenship within the Chickasaw Nation. But as a result of just researching her story, it opened up the story of all these other people. Uh, like I was mentioning earlier, Charles Cohey, who again in these, Watson Brown, who was another leader within that country, uh, Byam Colbert. Oh, yes. Um, some, uh, some, uh, uh, Alexander, uh, these were leading men in that, in that, uh, a lot of Pickens, Stevensons, these guys Kemp's. became leaders yes. in their community. And if I had just focused on Betty, I would have missed an entire story about these guys and these men and these women. Well, you know, and, and that's what's so yeah. incredible that when you say people need to learn this history, they're missing a great deal more if they don't look at that community in which these people lived. Well, you know, you just said something right there because um, you've got to expand the narrative. You know, there's part of the, um, I, I, I guess about 
four years ago, maybe, I wrote an article on one of my genealogy blogs. I was watching, I think it was Finding Your Roots or African American Lives on PBS. And at that particular episode, um, there, well, I had already done a little bit of uh, following up on some of those episodes, especially after the Don Cheeto episode. He was related to the Kemp's and the Cheetos from the Chickasaw Nation. But another episode, totally unrelated, after uh, the article on court, I mean, the episode on Courtney Vance and his, his grandmother, um, who uh, was a young girl, had gotten pregnant and had said that it was the pastor of the church. And of course, it was sort of a salacious story. And it was unfortunate because he was a young girl from Arkansas. I ended up in Chicago and just kind of got swept up in this large thing. I wrote an article about it because I realized, first of all, there's more to her history than just that. That woman's story was presented as, oh, a pregnant teenager. Oh, look at this, blah, blah, blah. So I expanded the story looked into her family's history. She came from landowners. She came from homesteaders. Her people had a, a fascinating history as survivors. Her history was not just one of having been taken advantage of by people who, who abused this young girl. And I wanted her history and legacy to be there. I even heard from people affiliated with Courtney Vance and, and um, others. But my point I'm saying all that to say this, to say essentially, you know, there's more to Chickasaw Freedmen than just being disenfranchised by the Chickasaw Nation. Yes, the nation didn't want anything to do. They wanted to ship those Negroes to the, what do they call the district that no man's land on the map, the least district, L-E-A-S-E-D uh, uh, district, and they wanted to just get rid of them. But... Yes, but the thing is that when you really expand the narrative, you find activists, you find King Blue, Isaac Alexander, you find Civil War soldiers, you see people who are leaders in their community, who built institutions, and you know, my goodness, what a story of survival. And when you start talking about those stories of survival, then those are the stories that are also empowering, as opposed to letting that narrative be one of just, oh, they didn't treat us right. Well, you know what? But we treated ourselves right, and we have an incredible story to tell. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. So, Terry, how can I, I people... I think you had a good point there, because uh, I think um, that knowledge is good for the current generation of people. Um, I was speaking with somebody, speaking, I was on Facebook typing, uh, and <laughs> they were looking for their biological father. Oh, okay. And as we were getting into the conversation, you could tell that there was a lot more to her story mm -hmm. that in, in, in what it came down to was about how interrelated all of the people were in the area in which yes. she came out of. Okay. And I think that's a story that tends to be forgotten, that one, people are interrelated by marriage, blood, and family, but they're also... Uh, related by circumstance where they're fighting for one another. Those Chickasaw and Choctaw Freeman Association, they were fighting for one another. They were. And you don't see that kind of community today. That's true. And this came right out of those towns from Ardmore to Berwyn yes. to, you know, Tatums. These were people, Ida Bell, and we never hear from Ida Bell people, even no. though we know they're there. You know, my goodness. We, we don't know the success successes in those communities yes remember um one of the what america's uh, uh 
favorite uh, historian, John Hope Franklin. That's right. Comes Say that again, because it broke up, and I want the listeners to hear that. Say that well, again. People forget, people don't know that John Hope Franklin came out of this history. That's right. That's right. And his his people in a part of this history, and his uh, I think it was his father, Buck Colbert Franklin. Yes. Who wrote a book and gives you a great uh, sense of what the Indian Territory was during this time. Absolutely. And, and, and yet, very few people know that connection because I still don't know to this day why John Hope Franklin really never discussed this history. Well, yeah, and it was kind of like, I guess it was his dad's story, but it is his story, and it is his son's story, story. his son, John, Dr. I John mean, Whittington. I'm a historian of American history, black American history, and you don't tell this story. I don't get it. Well, I do. It's, yeah, I do. It's a, well, it's a I mean, story I, of omission. It's a story of omission. It. But it's our duty to see that it is told. Yeah. Well, you know. So, Terry... How can people reach you if they want to participate in your project? What's the best way to reach you? I have not changed my email address in 100 years. Well, what is it? Estelusty at AOL.com. Okay. E-S-G-E-L-U-S-T-I at AOL.com. Okay. It is still functioning. Until they cut me off, I'm going to keep continue to use it. It is free, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds pretty good, then. That sounds really good. Free is always good. <laughs> yeah, what do they call it? I think Nika always calls it free 99. Yes, but uh, right. so, sounding pretty good. Well, listen, Terry, well, yeah, thanks. You know, send me an email. You know, always put something in the subject line because if I don't know you, I'm not reading it. I'm right. not opening it. Right, I can understand that, too. So, well, that's good to know. Is there, and you said there was a deadline to get in touch with you for the project? February the 15th. Okay. February the 15th. It gives me time because, you know, I, I understand people, it, it's kind of a rush for people. And, and you know, if they get in late, you know, there's always the next edition. There you go. You know, but so we want to have something that is reflective of all the freedmen. And, and I may have to put some example up so people really understand where I'm going with it. Okay. That sounds good. Well, um, you know, I think this it's is fantastic. Project, but it's an important project. I'll it is. It is indeed. Well, thanks for joining me for this, uh, uh, I'll call it a fireside chat, uh, uh, but to really talk about this. This is long overdue. And uh, um, you've just, you know, got my mind a churning. I'm thinking about some other discussions we can have because I want to talk about some of those landmarks where some of these things unfolded oh. in the territory. So. One thing that, and this is part of what I'm going to be doing at Maggie, because I think everything that we do and say comes out of the whole concept of community. Yes. Okay. I, I would not know Betty's story without the community. Sure. I wouldn't know the vignettes without the community. So everything comes out of community. We wouldn't know about those who traveled on, I love this phrase, the long walk of many tears. Ooh, I like, I like that. To put it, the long walk the long of many walk. African tears. Well, come on. That's that's really true. Well, listen, I appreciate your taking out the time to talk to me. We are going to talk again soon. So, you know, hey, keep well, doing it. You people call my people. We'll do this. <laughs> As I always say when I end my podcast, uh, keep researching and keep documenting. And I know you are going to keep sharing what you oh, find. Yeah. Thanks so much, Terry. And talk Great to you book. soon. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye.